Brandon Miller only scores six points in his second summer league game. What do we make of that? Plus PJ Washington still not signed with the Charlotte Hornets. When do we expect something on PJ? It's all coming up today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. You know that by now. You should also know that we're on YouTube. Just go check out the Locked On Hornets channel. You can see Doug swaying back and forth with the lovely locks. And you can also check him out on his Substack, stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. You can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. 92.7 FM. Um, Brandon Miller played his second summer league game. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Some free agency news and non-news regarding the Hornets. And then we have some poll results we'll get to at the very end of the show. But, Doug, Brandon Miller is the main storyline here, in my opinion. And there's a few to choose from. But with Brandon being the second overall pick, the first bucket Brandon hit, it was a double team. He fought through on the post and then actually hit the shot hit the and one as well to get his first three points of the day. When he hit his first bucket yesterday, the crowd was as loud as they had been in that game for summer league. It happened late. It happened in the fourth quarter. And then eventually Brandon Miller would hit a three to give him six points total. And that would be it on the day. Now he only took four field goal attempts. He was two of four in this game. All of his points came in the fourth quarter where most of them came in the fourth quarter of his first outing in summer league. He had six points, as I mentioned, seven assists, so the passing on display. He had four turnovers. He did have eight personal fouls, touch and go, you know, pretty soft fouls on some of them, but still is fouling way too much and should not be fouling that much on defense. So that is the box score with just a tiny bit of added context on the box score. If you care to add some more on uh, what you thought, Brandon Miller's second timeout. Oh, sure. There's a lot of context. And, you know, Marlon Garnett, after the game, was was trying to uh, infuse this box score line with a little bit of context, saying essentially mm -hmm. he's playing the right way, seven assists, setting up other teammates. But with all due respect to Marlon Garnett, this was not a good showing. This is not what you want to see out of your second overall selection, six points, but the four shot attempts being, you know, the really worrying part about all of this. Now, the context is that Golden State threw him the kitchen sink. I mean, they made him the focus of their defense. There was uh there weren't many possessions that Brandon Miller had the ball in his hands in the half court where they didn't throw two guys at him. And so they forced the ball out of his hands and he made good passes. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the other context is the Hornets are playing Brandon Miller often without a true point guard, a, a decent point guard that can find him, you know, in spots. But on the other hand, Walker, I, I thought the fouling and the turnovers early on threw him out of sync, allowed Golden State's double teams to frustrate him. And he, he just didn't look very confident out there with the ball in his hands he wanted to get that ball out of his hands early on and and the fouling is absolutely an issue you called a couple of them soft I would call them strange like there was a moment in the first quarter where he racked up like three fouls in, in a matter of 15 seconds 
and he was like doing swim moves uh, on guys when he's trying to get the ball in his hands on offense. He was rap. He was like full on wrapping <laughs> the somebody who was trying to screen him. He just full on wrapped him up. Like he's just doing strange things with his arms <laughs> on some of these fouls that I that I frankly don't really understand. Well, and, and I called him soft from the standpoint of the refs that there were a couple that could have been let go, but that that's what I meant by the soft. But yes, I understand what you're saying with Brandon Miller. Yeah, I think for me, Doug, the passing is the thing that I celebrated most about Brandon Miller in this pre-draft process, where I was clearly a fan of Scoot. One thing I always gave Brandon credit for was the guy's an, a very good passer. I think he is a smart basketball player. You're seeing that big time mm -hmm. where he's not trying to do too much. I mean, if there's a double team coming over, he'll take one dribble, there's somebody in front of him, and then he'll kick out and he'll keep this thing moving. It's why I thought there was some comparisons to Gordon Hayward to the point where you can be the connector, right? And maybe even more so with Brandon Miller because of the ability to, you know, probably get by guys a little bit more. I mean, Gordon can get to his spots with the strength, but Brandon Miller, to me, is a great connector is someone that can shoot the lights out of the basketball, hit one of the two three-pointers that he attempted yesterday in this game. Um, he's making the right play, as Marlon Garnett said. I do think that defensively, maybe the offensive struggles, he allowed that to get in his head because not a great showing defensively, in my opinion. Not yeah. only do we have the Santos post up where he bodied him, he just you know got it in the post, Brandon not strong enough, up and under move, and then there was an easy layup. There was also some times he went under the screen on shooters, um, there were some bad closeouts where he just goes right by shooters that drive right by him. And again, it's not summer league. If we don't put the caveat out there that this is not an indictment on how their future is going to go. I mean, this does not mean that Brandon is always going to experience these problems at the same time. I think defensively he was worse in game two than he was game one offensively, clearly not as aggressive. We saw what Brandon Miller did in the fourth quarter of game one. And you're right, Doug, Nick Smith, Jr chucking it baby <laughs> he's letting that thing fly bryce yeah. mcgowan's not not all that unsimilar to what he was doing last year bryce mcgowan's letting it fly you know Mari trying Bailey, to find his 17 yeah. points letting I mean, it fly so so if if these guys are putting their shots up then yeah they're probably not setting brandon miller nearly as much up as brandon miller is setting everyone else up well and and how much of that is on the coaching staff i mean i think they've got to for these two performances uh have just been atrocious uh defensively and offensively and i think we have to lay some of the blame down there as well i really expected after he only had one attempt in the first half no points I really expected the coaching staff to set some stuff up directly for Brandon Miller. And look, I know that they have some limitations in terms of who's actually handling the ball, but I didn't see much of a focus of trying to get the ball into Brandon Miller's hands um, until the very end of the game when they finally got, I think it was Bailey who got a driving kick to him in the corner. It was Bailey or McGowan's. I can't tell those two guys apart. Their games are so similar. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the coaching staff has to take some blame as well. Yeah, you thought he'd be more focused in the second game. Um, or Co Coach uh, Garnett, by the way, more focused on getting Brandon Miller the ball. Man, I, do you expect him to come out in this next game um, tomorrow just firing? I mean, over under 15 field goal attempts from Brandon Miller in this next game. 
over for sure. I mean, this had to be frustrating for him. This had to be embarrassing for him, right? Because those cheers for him at the end of the game were not like, I don't think those were made. Oh, you saw his face. He was not happy. I mean, he wanted the foul. Yeah. It, was, it was like about time type of face that he showed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those cheers were a little bit trolly from the, the fans yeah. there at the California Classic. So now he's going up against Wemby. And look, how he responds to this performance, I think – will tell us a lot about how his rookie season is going to go because the rookie season is going to be full of ups and downs, and he's probably going to be put in a role in his rookie season that is dissimilar from his role at Alabama. It's going to be dissimilar from the role that he's trying to inhabit in the summer league as, like, go-to guy. Look, Golden State threw doubles at him nearly every possession. That's not going to happen in his rookie season because there are going to be so many other players that that the NBA defenses have to focus on when he's on the floor. You know, he's not going to be the most talented player on the floor, typically, in the lineups that he's going to be featured in. That's going to be a plus. But his role is going to be severely limited as well. I just think what we're finding out here in Summer League is a lot of what we already knew, that when teams said that he needed to bulk up, <laughs> they were serious. Like, he mm -hmm. does not have the, the strength uh, to really fight through some of this contact on offense, and, and it's limiting his ability to make plays for himself. He's going to have to be made plays for uh, plays are going to have to be made for him, rather. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and that's that's just what it is. So I think Summer League might continue to be a struggle, but you got to have more than four attempts. Yeah, for me, Doug, the more I watch, you know, we're two Summer League games in, right? We're going to get an actual Summer League before our appetizer Summer League with this California Classic. But right. when we get this, I think Brandon Miller is showing that he can be really helpful as a rookie off ball, big time. I mean, I, I think offensively, I think he's going to help this team right away. Um, defensively, it's going to be an issue. I think people are going to exploit his lack of strength. I think there are some gambles that he takes. There are some, you know, not right decisions that he's making right now. Some sometimes where he doesn't, he's like the guy in, you know, in Talladega Nights, he doesn't know what to do with his hands. Like there's some serious moments where I'm like, why is he wrapping? He was wrapping a guy up. You know, just full, you know, Bama bear hug on a guy mm -hmm. and then a swim, you know, a swim move to try to move a, a guy off to get the ball. Like it's it's some odd stuff that he's doing with his arms. I think it's like a lot of frustration, a lot of like welcome to the NBA moments, because there were a lot of guys in that Golden State team that were in attack mode. And I think oh, yeah. part of the problem for Brandon Miller, too, is that I think a lot of first of all, I don't think that any of these summer league players have totally been set up for success. Number one, number two. I think there are a lot of players on the uh, that he's playing with in that starting lineup that aren't like totally as motivated as some of these names that we're seeing on the other uh, on the other side of the ball that are fighting for their NBA lives. Well, and and the other thing, it, I mean, Lamelo Ball changes the calculus on all of this. Totally. It, and this this was the same thing with Mark Williams. It, it was a similar narrative to what we were discussing last year at Summer League. It's the fact that they don't have an organized a point guard that can organize everything. And Mark Williams is just flat out better in the NBA on an NBA court in regular season mode than he was in Summer League. Yes, a lot of that is getting better through Greensboro. A lot of that also is spacing, helping Mark out because Lamelo can shoot and is one of the best passers in the NBA. And so with LaMelo setting Brandon Miller up, that's going to help Brandon Miller a lot. So it's mm -hmm. almost like Brandon Miller is out there playing with LaMelo ball, except LaMelo ball is not on the court. And mm -hmm. once that happens, I think Brandon is going to be a lot better because he's going to be set up. Now let's be honest too. 
if you are the number two overall pick and you are a fan of that number two overall pick, you'd like him to be able to score buckets no matter what, especially in a second overall selection that it was tabbed as maybe this guy could go number one in half of the drafts that have taken place in the last 10 years. It's not, it, it's fine to ask for more scoring. It's fine to ask for more shot attempts. It's also fine that we're going to go into game three of summer league. And so we don't have to hold these first two summer league games against him. But if this keeps up, I think you're going to see some good things his rookie season, and you're not going to see a whole lot of takeover. Like maybe you kind of copy and paste it from his Alabama days. It is going to be a different player here. Yep. He's got to respond. I mean, the lights are going to be brighter. Wimby, ESPN, everybody's going to be watching. You know, again, I'm not, I I don't expect 30 points on, you know, 60% shooting from Brandon Miller on Friday, but I expect a level of aggressiveness of like, Hey, I'm going to get this one back. And I hope the coaching staff can help him out to do that. Yeah. And the other players, yeah. the other cards, like help, help Brandon yeah. Miller out. Come on. Yeah. There's not a lot of help going out there. All right. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Speaking of help, are we going to get any help through free agency? Is that going to happen with the Charlotte Hornets? Grant Williams, those rumors are dead now. He is a Dallas Maverick. Will PJ Washington come back to the Charlotte Hornets? We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, then this is where you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge if you feel the need to do so. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash NBA. NBA free agency talk coming up next. Is Locked on Hornets. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. What are you laughing at, Doug, during the break? <laughs> well, if you saw that bump that we did, if you didn't skip over it, uh, I was explaining how, you know, sometimes when you're the only package left, you suddenly look like a pretty great package. And I think that Mitch Kupchak, so far in this free agency period, I think he watches the show. I really, truly believe that. And I think he took that advice way too literally <laughs> because, uh, you know, that's uh, that seems to be how they're operating with both Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. Um, well, there, I mean, PJ Washington of last resort. mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot of, uh, other franchises for PJ to go to now. Um, especially if he wants as much money as possible. So here are the, here's the news that came out yesterday. We saw Grant Williams go from the Boston Celtics to the Dallas Mavericks. And here is the Shams report that came out first, the Mavericks, the Spurs and the Celtics. They finalized a three team trade. The Mavericks get Grant Williams, the Spurs get Reggie Bullock and an unprotected Dallas pick swap in 2030, and the Celtics get multiple second round picks. Now, with the Mavs acquiring Grant Williams, he signs a four year, $54 million deal via sign and trade. So what's interesting about that figure is that it's $13.5 million annually if you're to divide it up evenly. I don't know how those details are going to come about, but if you just divide it up evenly, 
13 and a half million a year. The mid-level ex- exception is what we thought maybe he would sign with the Hornets, and that's at 12.4. If you sign for the full mid-level exception, that was going to be 12.4, and we were like, it's going to get dicey. We'll see. Is, yeah. is that going to be enough for Grant? Well, we found a team that was willing to pay just enough more, and it's a million dollars a year more for Grant Williams. And so the Hornets watch him go to Dallas, and Doug, not only is the power of forward pool starting to dry up, but the free agent pool entirely is starting to dry up where you have your guy out there still PJ Washington An offer sheet could come at any moment. And we'll see if PJ decides to come back with the Charlotte Hornets. And if he has even uh, really a choice, what do you make of the um, things that we saw yesterday, Grant going to Dallas and PJ still not signed? Yeah, look, I'm conflicted. I I'm happy in, in one respect that the Hornets are not paying $25 million per year to miles bridges that they haven't decided to pay overpay $20 million a year for PJ Washington and lock themselves long-term into those figures, especially, you know, when you do have a new ownership coming in, you would, if you had done both of those deals, you would really take away their ability to be more aggressive moving forward and their ability. Cause I think once, even if they had signed those RFA deals, there are some trade restrictions in there as well. Or if teams would have come in and, and given them an offer and then you matched it, I guess that's when the trade restrictions would come in. But you, anyway, you would severely limit their ability to make moves moving forward. So, you know, I, I like this, I like that approach, but at the same time, um, you know, the Hornets have frozen themselves. They haven't made any other moves. I guess I would feel better about all of this if they had done literally anything um, other than sit around and wait on these deals. We don't even have any news on Teo Maladone. I just don't, you know, you watch all these teams making moves, trying to make their team better. And then you watch, you watch the Hornets really sit in neutral, waiting for news to happen. It's disconcerting. I also feel bad for PJ Washington. I do. I feel bad for him because He's a victim of the Hornets' own organizational ineptitude and not adding talent to this team and this team not playing well, not making play-ins, not making playoffs. Because, Walker, let me ask you this. Do you think that P.J. Washington right now would have a $20 million deal signed, ready to go, he's ready to play, if the Hornets had made the playoffs last year? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it would be a no-brainer. It's an exact same performance, you know, exact same numbers, no different. They make the playoffs. He's probably suiting up at $20 million. And and so you have to lay some of that blame on Mitch Kupchak and company for not making this team better, for only signing Cody Martin, who didn't even play. And you have to lay some of that blame on Miles Bridges, too. If I'm P.J. Washington, I'm super mad at Miles Bridges <laughs> because, you know, if, if all of that stuff doesn't happen and, you know, they, they go in mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, a better roster, a healthier roster, then P.J. Washington is probably fine. But instead, I think a lot of other teams are looking at those and going, look, good numbers, but, you know, team didn't really get all that much better. Here's what I'm interested in with the P.J. stuff, right? I'm interested in when, when people talk about the market, and somebody signs for more than fans expected. You know, Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, Jeremy Grant, whatever, right? Some there's there's always context to the situation. Portland goes after Jeremy Grant at the time. They were still going to bring back Damian Lillard, and Damian had not <laughs> asked for a trade yet. And so they overpay <laughs> for Jeremy Grant. But fine, they're still going to roll with that contract. We'll see what happens there. There's context to every situation. Mm. There are some where franchises will overpay a little bit not a lot 
not to the point where it's real consequential, but they'll overpay a little bit for their homegrown guys because some of this is a people business too. Now, you don't you don't just pay, all right, you get 20 million, you get 20 million. There's obviously levels to this, but some franchises will pay a little bit more. And I wonder if PJ feels a little slighted that the Hornets aren't giving him a couple million more a year and they're playing almost unnecessary hardball because it's not going to be consequential. Doug, I also don't think PJ is a guy that is going to have an untradeable contract, which is what you think of with these contracts and deals that are given out. Can you trade it if everything goes badly? I don't think it's going to go badly. But if it does, I mean, man, you talk about malleable. Like that guy can go into any system and you can ask him to do whatever you need him to. Play defense, shoot threes, be a short roll guy, can handle the ball a little bit, you know, come off of the bench, start. I I just don't know if PJ cares about that. He cares about making some money, which I understand. And so I don't think it's going to be an untradeable contract by any means. Uh, You have the Jake Fisher report. Going fishing, baby. Jake Fisher Ooh, comes out with a report. Work. Yep. Um, thank you. I was waiting for the real. But yeah, Jake Fisher comes out and says PJ's looking for what we all thought about the four year eighty million dollars. Well, Steiny had annual. that, and then and then Steiny okay. also said eighteen million. Um, so it's it's fluctuated. I think you know PJ might be working himself down a little bit. Like, all right, no, not twenty. I'll take eighteen. And it seems like the team is like, well, how about fourteen? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know what they're saying, but it's it has to be. They seem to be far apart. Well, yeah, you know. So Fisher. I mean, yeah, I guess maybe this is maybe Steiny had it first or whatever. I know. Uh, I know Fisher. Anyways, talked about eighty million. Twenty million has always been the asking price. Twenty million annually. And now Fisher says Washington might have to hold out for a sign and trade like marketing did eventually when he found that opportunity with the Cavs. I mean, yeah. If you don't bring PJ back, how do you view free agency? If PJ goes to a different team, because this is really the last domino, Doug. I mean, it, it's Kelly Oubre. I know fans are going to be happy to bring back Kelly Oubre. If that's what the Hornets decide to do. Um, Kelly Oubre can't play power forward. Last time I checked. I, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. And you I talk hope about Thor, crowded... I hope Thor's not playing in summer league because he's spending all summer in the gym, bulking up and yeah. going to wear moon boots so he can right. play power forward. Right. Uh, it, it just feels like the last <laughs> big domino that could really help this team just by why bringing is, him why back. Why is Thor wearing stilettos all of a sudden? He's yeah. four inches taller. Uh, just finishing thoughts on what you think about this team if they don't bring Washington back, if they don't find anything, right? If just nothing happens between the two. Well, it would essentially be punting on next season, which is odd when you sign a guy to a five-year, you know, max deal and say, well, sorry, LaMelo, yeah. but one more, just wait one more year. We're going to punt on this season. We're not really interested in getting all that much better. I think that's what's frustrating about all of this. I think, look, regardless if PJ comes back on a qualifying offer or goes in a sign and trade to me, that has to be the end of Mitch Kupchak where, whether it happens, you know, before the season or eventually, because the whole plan was to bring back your free agents. And part of that plan was sacrificing doing literally anything else to improve the team. And so if at the end of the plan, you can't do the one thing that you promised to do, what what are we doing? What what has all of this been for? What has all of this been for? No, it's a good point because when we talk about the whole do something stuff, yeah, we can can temper that this offseason a little because the plan was to bring back P.J. Washington. 
you might not agree with it, but the plan was to bring back Miles Bridges at some level. And so you were really just trying to retain guys. So if they don't retain guys and Miles comes back on a contract that is smaller than anything I saw projected, anything, I didn't see anybody predict that he would sign the qualifying offer. So if that's less money and then PJ doesn't come back and you didn't even want to pay DSJ two and a half million and you didn't want to go out and get anybody else, you were so full blown against getting Grant Williams on anything above the mid-level exception and then you don't have PJ to show for it. Yeah, that's going to be tough to swallow. That's going to be really tough to swallow. It's not PJ's um, fault. It's not PJ's fault that this team hasn't it's made the playoffs. Your fault. It's, it's not, not your fault. I just fault. want PJ. I just so want you to know. That, it's not your yeah. fault. It's not your <laughs> fault. And and the, I think that, yeah, I think I think people that think that the Hornets are being, what's the, uh, what's the saying? Like penny dumb and, and not dollar wise or whatever. Like they're, they're trying to save a penny and. And not really thinking long term, you know. I, Do you I think, think they're being penny wise because they're clowns? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm just so conflicted at this point. Like, that I don't want them to. Point. I don't want this front office to overpay because I know this front office is not going to be the next front office. I want the team to have flexibility, and yet mm. I feel I I feel emotions for PJ Washington because I've watched him, as you said, do everything that has been asked of him. It probably sacrificing some of the stats that could have made him more attractive to teams in this market, but he tried to help this team stay afloat. Um, and there were things outside of his control that I think have suppressed his market. And it's a shame. It really is a shame. All right. We have some more polls to get to on YouTube coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We have results on how you feel about Brandon Miller through two games in Summer League, and we'll get to some more of our Summer League thoughts. Nick Smith Jr., James Najee, we saw his debut. That's my guy. We'll talk about him coming up next on Lockdown Hornets. All right, more Summer League thoughts here in the last segment, moving on from free agency. Um, Pennywise, I get it. Uh, the the movie It, the clown I get it. I'm sorry. I'm just distraught, man. I, you. you know, this, this offseason <laughs> – has gotten to me. It's officially gotten to me. The sickness is overwhelming mm -hmm. me. I'm going to need, uh, you know, I'm going to need a little grace from you. I apologize. It was a good joke. Pennywise it. I Thank you. It. I appreciate it. No, I, um, that feels a lot like sympathy, but I'll take it no matter what. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the YouTube poll results. What do you have for us? What question, what answer did you get? All of it, Doug, share with the people. Uh, well, I did, you know, this is early results. Okay. I feel like I'm John King on the CNN board, you know, a lot of precincts <laughs> still reporting. So, you know, we need to let this play out. We typically get a lot of votes on these polls. I only have 116 right now. So just understand these are early results. Okay. But the question was, how would you describe your feelings about Brandon Miller after two summer league games? And the results are in. And my, my choices were very excited, a little excited, neutral, a little worried, very worried. Okay. So a little five point scale here and leading the clubhouse right now is neutral at 32% followed by a little worried at 28% followed by a little excited at 17% followed by very excited at 16% and yeah. then very worried is uh, last in 8%. But if you do a little quick yep. math here, 68% of folks that have voted in this poll so far are either neutral or worried. And only, mm, let's see, 33% are some form of excited. 
I think neutral is probably the right way to go. I don't know if I would be, you know, extremely worried about his game two performance. After all, I think most people can apply that this has only been two games in. So we'll see if neutral is the leader in the clubhouse once we get 500 votes. If it's anything like our draft polls, 900, 1,000, whatever, we were getting some pretty big numbers. So, you know, we'll see what the results come in on. Would you expect neutral? Like, would you agree with the masses here, Doug? Well, yeah, because I think that fo- there's going to be a group of folks that are going to be neutral regardless of what happened because they understand this is summer league. Yeah. You can't overreact to summer league. All right. So you've got that small base of people that are saying rational folks. But as I've said often, and I believe summer is yeah. for feelings. It's not about being rational. It is not about being sane. It's about making wild judgments. And so I think you're going to have two camps floating towards neutral who see the the, the very excited folks who all of a sudden, you know, see these performances and are like, huh? And then I think you're going to have some folks that came in that were a little bit like the, the ultra scoot fans who were going to be super worried and they see some flashes and those flashes mm-hmm. are enough to move them to neutral. So I do think that's my rationale for thinking that everyone will, you know, sort of gravitate towards neutral by the end of this process. All right, well, so we gave you Brandon Miller's box score in game two. Here are the other guys that started, at least for the team yesterday. Nick Smith Jr. had 14 points on six of 13 shooting. He had Got to stop field with goals. these two-pointers, though, man. I don't know if you saw the all the, he, oh, yeah. the long ones, but I saw a couple where he stepped. He was at the three-point line, and he stepped inside for like a DeRozan two. Nick Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. is not DeMar DeRozan. He cannot get away with that. Um, four assists for Nick Smith Jr., by the way. I would have guessed the under on that, but he did get four assists, and you did see some microwave-type ability from him. So um, I think better game, even though he's not looking for guys. I mean, you want him to have you know better vision, but that's just what it is with Nick Smith no. Jr. right now. Looking to score, and he's he's chucking it. He's He it slowed down, though. Did you think that? Yeah. Like I, oh, yeah, I, saw, I thought he was yeah. l- way less jittery, You know, just like first NBA professional game for him. You know, all the all the injuries, the falling in the draft, all of that had to be clanging around the old noggin in that first mm-hmm. game. And it seemed like things had settled way down for him. And that's that's promising. The shooting still continues to be poor for Bryce McGowan's through two games. So, I, I mean, I, I actually thought he looked by far the most comfortable out there in game one, which would make sense. A second year player that got actual regular season run. It would make sense that Bryce clearly looked the most comfortable. The shooting, it's not helping him out. And he missed a lot of two pointers. He only took two three pointers, missed them both. But that means he was three of nine inside the three point arc. What have you made of Bryce McGowan's what he's done? Because also, Doug, he's not really passing a ton either. No, he's not. And he has he has gotten plenty of opportunities to be the number one story in these games, especially with the struggles for Brandon Miller. And he's gotten the shots. He's gotten the opportunities. He just hasn't knocked them down. And he hasn't really stood out to me on the defensive end. I, I saw some slippage there in game two uh, on the defensive end of the floor where, uh, the, you know, their, their starting guards are not playing great defense as well. Book Knight and Nick Smith Jr. have their own issues. But Bryce not really showing great either. And Amari Bailey is playing really well. And mm-hmm. I think he's playing defense really well for a rookie. And 17 points. He's knocking down shots. Their games are super similar. Bryce McGowan has an opportunity to separate himself with three-point shooting. Because I don't think Amari Bailey's got a three-point shot. I saw him take one foot on the line. Uh, they counted it as a two-point attempt. But it was basically a three-point attempt. He tried to make it a three-point attempt. And that shot looks wonky for Amari Bailey. I don't think he's going to be a three-point shooter early on. I think he's got some stuff to figure out there. 
Uh, but, you know, his attacking game is solid. He, he plays in control and looks a lot like Bryce. So I think Bryce has got to be worried. Um, with the caveat that always comes with the plus minus not meaning a ton, it is interesting when he has a, a larger plus minus by far than anybody on this Hornets roster. And it was a, in plus a blowout 17. loss. How do you have a plus yeah. minus of 17 in a game where you were He's good. down He's 20 well. plus at, at different points in the second half? That's nuts. Yeah, Amari Bailey's been playing well. Also, you like to see him bounce back on the free throw line. 100%, 5 of 5, decent volume. Can and, draw contact. That's yeah. the key there. He can get to the yeah. line, and then he makes them. Yeah. Oh, well, he, and he made him this one, which is big. So, so great bounce back game from a bar. Uh, not, not even that he played bad in game one, just from the free throw line. I think he was 2 of 7. Is that right? I mean, I know it was bad. Yeah. So anyways, going 5 of 5 is nice here. Um, I think we should get to two other guys. I'll go with James Najee if you want to go with Kai Jones, because I, I got to take Najee. Yeah, I, I think. Well, let's do. Here's what I say we do. We do Najee because okay. we've stuck to the rookies. And then tomorrow, because we got to preview this game coming up uh, on Friday for Wimby. But I think tomorrow we do a little bit of what I'm calling on every Hornets box score, the last dance report, because <laughs> it's. I just feel like it's James Book Knight and Kai Jones's last dance or at least last mm-hmm. chance. Uh, to prove that they can be part of this Hornets future. So I th- we can tease ahead and say we'll talk about Book Knight and Kai Jones' performances tomorrow, uh, but go ahead and give us the Najee report. Right. I want to say I want to set this up because I mm-hmm. wasn't quite sure why Najee didn't play in the first game. And then Rod Boone reported on Twitter that they were waiting on his FIBA clearance. So whatever that means, uh, you know, he had to be clear well, just to the play. international basketball association, right? Well, just I know what FIBA, yeah. I know, FIBA is a FIBA or FIBA. We always, it's FIBA. Know. yeah, it's uh, FIBA. you know, I think it's FIBA anyway. So, um, <laughs> they want. had to wait for the clearance there. I, but I, again, I don't know what, why does he need to be cleared? You know, he got drafted in the United States of America. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's what you, you said. I want to set this up. And then that's where you wanted to set. <laughs> that's how you. We just celebrated America's birthday. Okay. All right. All right. I'm proud. Um, um, yeah. The reason I like Najee as that pick in the second round, I just thought defensively, he's got a chance to be very, very good. Um, I think he's very mobile for being how big he is. No, not just seven feet, but also, I mean, the guy is a tank. He's not scrawny like Mark Williams coming into the league. Shoulder bowlers. Um, And I think he moves really well. And I told you, I I think that he covers a lot of ground and you saw it on one play in particular. There was a warrior driving, right? Got by his guy. James Najee comes over to the block. So that, so his guy is unaccounted for. There's a slip pass to the big man cutting towards the basket, but Najee just rolls over and covers his ground immediately gets there easily easily to contest and there's not a shot in hell that that guy was going to get a dunk or a legitimate shot at the rim um setting a lot of screens man like <laughs> he, his sole purpose on offense is to set screens Screen and then another machine. one i think he averages three screens per set i think that's i think i'll take the three on how much he averages per a uh, half court possession but the cutting, you know, you can see that hopefully develop into where it's it's hard to stop with him just getting a full head of steam rolling to the rim. But defensively, Doug, like whatever comes offensively is great. Defensively, I think he has a chance to be very, very good. Very good. Two things I'll give you observations on Najee, because I agree with a lot of what you said. Like the movement stands out the most. Like, like a guy that size should not move that well. That's just that's unusual. And I'm sure that's why the Hornets decided to trade up and, and get him because – you, you want to trade up for unusual things. You don't want to trade up for the same old, same old, okay? 
But I think there's two things we got to watch for on Najee's development as he moves forward, because I think he is a ways away. And the two things are just generally knowing where to be. He's a lot like Kai Jones in this respect, both offensively and defensively. He's slightly. You think defensively too there? I don't see it as much defensively, but you do. Yeah, especially when the play is not necessarily like when he's on when he's weak side. Because I agree, there were some there were some uh, plays that he was involved in where he can do drop coverage and he knows kind of where to fill the space. But I think in transition and weak side, like there were some moments where I was like, man, if he had just been you know just slightly over to the left or right, you know he's he's going to find it. I think also staying with the play until the end. There were a couple of rebound opportunities that I thought he missed because he get he like he got the initial contact like he can hit first. He feels like a physical player in that respect. But there were a couple of plays like if he would just stay with it and go after the basketball, you know, I think he could gobble up a lot more rebounds. So it's just, you know, it's two things that I'm sure they're going to put under a microscope and tape and yeah. figure out how to help him with, but you know, there's there's a re- look, there's a reason why guys are ready and when they're not so ready I think it's pretty obvious when you look at it, and and I think it's pretty obvious with Najee while he's not ready. We'll see what happens with some of these guys. We still have a lot of summer league. Still, lots of summer league. To I'm not get trying to, to pop your Najee bubble. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pop your Najee bubble. I'm just saying, you know, you watch it and you go, That's look, fair. there are some, there's some flashes, but, you know, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, either going back to play internationally or a G League hero for at least a year. That's fair that I, I, I hope I didn't. Yeah, it's, it's, just, you know. it's fair. No, all of that no, is listen, fair. I'm, I'm, I feel bad. I feel bad for PJ Washington. I feel bad for not laughing at your uh, Pennywise yeah, joke. That's true. Pennywise, um, I haven't taken on. care of you this show and I apologize, you know, and that's I just okay. want to make sure that you're taken care of. I, I, I forgive you. I am neutral on all of what you had to say. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for joining us, making us your first listen. Make your second listen. Locked On Game to Game. Locked On NBA covers every single game across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 